happening. It is happening. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, everyone, to uh, Hysterical History, A Broad Perspective. My name is Alexis. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) I'm Haley. I'm Alexis. And Um, this is a broad perspective. Yeah. Because we're we're so good at this. So good. (laughs) Um, So basically, this is a history comedy podcast where basically we just want to figures as being either great people or terrible people, but almost not really even people. They are, you know, we call them figures and they're not figures. They're not statues. They're they're actual people. They're just random people. Who made decisions that happened to be important to lots of people, it yeah. turns out. Um, and why Why are we here? Why are we doing this? I don't know. It's we're a bored. mystery. <laughs> <laughs> this, this podcast is a few months to six years in the making. Right. Because uh, uh. we used to, like, drive around at night all the time. Uh, <laughs> that sounds like you're being creepy. Um, uh, <laughs> no, it was for, uh, for school. We went to college together. Mm-hmm. And we would just like have discussions, and and it still sounds creepy. We were yeah. picking people up, and not like that way. <laughs> it was a. <laughs> it's called women's transit. It's women's... to help women get home from being drunk <laughs> or if they need to get groceries <laughs> at night. It's completely legitimate. Yes, through uh, our college. <laughs> but we had a couple very charming, uh, slightly drunk people tell us that we we did excellent history talks. So. Here right. we are. Or just random talks, but yeah. And and history is a passion of both of ours. I got my degree in it. And I sort of stumbled into a minor because it was just <laughs> funny. It was hilarious. Well, and, and you have an English lit uh, degree, which is a lot of history in there. Yeah, I mean, it's all just stories. Right. And, and But a lot of that is specifically framed in, like, what time it's happening. And that tells you a lot about what those people thought was important or what they were doing. Yep. Um, so, <laughs> so we're gonna have uh, segments, stories, talking about people or things or places. Uh, and right. this uh, this first episode, we're gonna be focusing on our our favorite history dude, our favorite historical man person. Which maybe is weird to start with our lady podcast. Um, yeah, I was thinking whatever. about that. Like, eh, it's strange. It's just, it's, I, my favorite dude is so succinctly in my mind, mm-hmm. whereas, like, my favorite lady I had to think about a little bit, just because, you know, they're not super represented in history classes and things. So there, There's so many good ones. There are, and we're going to get to basically all of them, <laughs> as many <laughs> as we can. Eventually. Uh, okay. Eventually. Who, uh, who goes first? I believe I am going first. All right, Lexus, take it away. I will do that. So... I want to start by saying, personally, I am a Francophile. I definitely think that France is the coolest. I love the French language, and French history has always been my favorite. So, or obviously my favorite is a Frenchman. Um, and the best Frenchman, in I, my opinion, <laughs> I wonder <is> which <laughs> one it could be. Yeah, I wonder which one it could be. Who could it possibly be? <laughs> definitely Napoleon. Napoleon. And, like, there wasn't even a question about whether or not he was my favorite. Like, I feel like I almost introduced myself that way to people. I'm like, hi, my name is Alexis. I really love European history. My favorite person is Napoleon. Your, like, Francophiles Anonymous classes are very strange. Just, like, stand up. <laughs> my name's Alexis, no. <laughs> and I really like Napoleon. No, I, I mean Alexis. how I introduce myself in regular life. Uh-huh. Like, every day. <laughs> Just when I meet random people, I'd much rather if they asked me who my favorite historical figure was than whatever else they ask. What do you do for work? You know, mm-hmm. yeah. What's totally. my favorite color? Why does that matter? What matters is Napoleon is my favorite. You should answer. So anyway. You should answer. What's like? What's your favorite uh, color? Like color? What's your favorite flavor of ice cream? I mean, that's a perfect transition to talk about Napoleon. Yeah, that's true. Neapolitan. My favorite colors are red, white, and blue. But in the French flag, <laughs> not in ours. We stole it. Um, anyway, so I'm going to give a broad overview of Napoleon's life and then get to some weird stuff. So Napoleon is born in Corsica. So the first fun fact that every list on the internet will tell you is that Napoleon's not super French. Like he's kind of Italian because Corsica is this island in the middle of like the Mediterranean Sea. Well, I guess not in the middle, like northern Mediterranean Sea. 
France and Italy, if people don't know, used to fight a lot over the same crap, like over the same land, mm-hmm. um, because they're they touch, they're right next to each other. Um, like like so when you're Corsica, sleep, like when you're napping with someone and you're like sharing yeah. the blanket. Exactly. So they pull and push and whatever. Oh, with like murdering people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Corsica's like a pillow in the middle that you <laughs> both want. <laughs> so it would go back and forth. Um, so he's kind of Italian, but kind of French. It's confusing. But anyway, he's born on August 15th, 1769. Dates don't really matter to me, but I just feel like I should say some facts. Um, but I didn't know this. So I was a lot of this is coming from my memory because I just know a lot about him, but also uh, from Wikipedia, because I was getting a basic outline of what happens. Mm-hmm. And uh, if people don't know, for uh, everything, Wikipedia is good for two things. It's good for a basic overview, which is what encyclopedias are good for, and for sources, and that's it. It's good for a laugh sometimes. <laughs> that's true, too. I, I definitely found to- some some lines when I was researching my dude. It's like, no one was editing yes. this. It's amazing. <laughs> See, mine, just some of them, I was like, the way they wrote this, I have to say it this exact way because it's hilarious. I cannot wait. completely true. So the first thing I learned from this Wikipedia article that I didn't know and then just becomes hilariously ironic is that Napoleon's dad was a representative of Louis for Corsica. Okay. So the king of, he was the king of France's representative in Corsica, his dad. Oh, man. What was his dad's name? (laughs) I don't remember. I'd have to look at it. Okay, so dad Napoleon. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Bonaparte. Uh, (laughs) Please, Mr. Bonaparte is my father. (laughs) Call me Napoleon. Um, Also, his name used to be a lot more French sounding, or I mean, a lot more Italian sounding. It was like... Napoleon um, Bueno Parte or something. Buen, uh, bueno Parte. Bueno Parte, yeah. And they changed it uh, so that they didn't sound so Italian when they moved to France. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> embarrassing. Gross. As like a French person, <laughs> an Italian right. running the show. Yikes. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, apparently, uh, Napoleon always had a marked Corsican accent, like people could tell, um, clearly. And he... Never shook that. So kids in school, when he was in, like, like finishing school, basically, in France, made fun of him a lot because oh, no. they could tell of his <laughs> accent. Um, and also, uh, even his soldiers, like, later in the army would make fun of him about it. I'm assuming behind his back because I can't imagine making fun of him to his face about his accent. No, that um, would be very bad. <laughs> that just sounds like very bad news for you. You're on the front line tomorrow with no weapons uh, at this, all. This is what you sound like. <laughs> okay. Good luck. Uh, I can't wait to see, hear what you sound like dying. Yeah. Um, anyway, but his so he joins the army um, at his teacher's suggestion because he's good at geography and math. So they were like, do that. Uh, oh, his dad dies of stomach cancer. Uh, and because of that, they have less money. So he has to complete a two-year course in the army or in his school or whatever in one year. And he does, um, which is impressive. Yeah, so, so he's, he's a, a, he's a, a s- go-getter. He's a smart guy. Yeah, even at an early age, he's a, he's a go-getter. Uh, oh, I have a quote from him that was in the Wikipedia article that I really like, uh-huh. which is... Um, as the nation was perishing, I was born. 30,000 Frenchmen were vomited onto our shores, drowning the throne of liberty in waves of blood. Such was the odious sight, which was the first to strike me. I'm so sorry, but that's so... <laughs> He's so dramatic. He's so dramatic and so poetic. I also want to say this, that quote is not when he's emperor, like later talking about his life. That's when he's just basically in the Bartley army. He's just writing in his diary about like vomiting and blood and stuff. Yep. Wow. That was it. What a, (laughs) he was just, what a perfect little teenager he must have been. (laughs) Seriously. He was super ready for this. So France starts having its revolution and it bleeds into Corsica and Corsica's like, yeah, now we can be free because France is having a bad time mm-hmm. and we can just slip that in there. Uh-huh. Um, but because of that, on Corsica, they have a three-way fight going between royalists, revolutionaries, and Corsican nationalists. And it just becomes a bigger mess even than France, maybe. Um, Whoa. And at first, Napoleon's like totally with the Corsican nationalists. He's like, yeah, Corsicans are cool. But then it clearly proves that that's not working. 
And so he switches over to the revolutionists. Oh, man. <laughs> because a smart politician knows when to change parties. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't working. Goodbye. <laughs> Gotta go somewhere else. Um, oh, but I have... So what happens was he was in the army in France, and then he was like, oh, stuff in Corsica is bad. So he, he went on a leave of absence, but it was way longer than it was supposed to be mm-hmm. because it was like years. Um And I have a quote in here also from there that says, He was promoted to captain in the regular army in July 1792, despite exceeding his leave of absence and leading a riot against French troops. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) So he disappears for over a year. They're like, what happened to our dude? And he comes back like over a year later. It's like, I was, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, never mind what I was doing. Just just put me back in. Yeah. Were so you while he was in Corsica, were you rioting? Like, Screw the French. Be and honest, then. you were rioting. I mean, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, it doesn't really matter what happened before. What happens <laughs> now is the best. And they're like, sure, you're a captain. <laughs> that seems, yeah, that um, seems all right. That seems fair. Yeah, yeah. Oh so he God. becomes like a big deal. People are impressed with him. He's a very good soldier. When the uh, so first there's um, Robespierre, right? And he's effing everything up, and he's very scary and murderous. And then uh, they start doing the directory is what replaces them, which is, like, a group of people who are in charge, but, like, nobody has a lot of power specifically. Um, So when Napoleon gets back, the directory is basically what's going on. And apparently he stopped a royalist plot against the directory um, with some military forces. And then after that, he's in charge of the army now. Right. They put him at the head. So he gets promoted again. And people in France are loving him because it's been quite a while since they had like a strong military leader. Mm -hmm. So they're like, this dude is getting stuff done, making us look good. All is well. Making it happen. Um, Yeah. Got a, I mean, way better than that. He's very likable. Robespierre, that baby eater. That terrible man. Just that (laughs) psychotic, murderous, just Uh, insane man. He definitely needs his own episode oh yeah he'll be when we talk about evil people definitely (laughs) and so he conquers italy in a year the entire italian peninsula just sweeps in there that's mine now thanks um and the government's super impressed people at home are super impressed and he's like you know what we need to do we need to hit brit the british in egypt right because that's their hold in there definitely um and it's vulnerable, and we're closer to it, so we can get in there before they do. So he goes in there um, and has a pretty bad time. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, not his best moment. It's not good. Um, I will say, though, I've heard, I don't know if this is true or not, I was trying to find some sources for it, but I have heard um, that a lot of his soldiers there get sick, right? Mm-hmm. And supposedly, Napoleon went in there to make this speech to them. And, like, normally you'd think it'd be, like, a rousing speech to get them to all, you know, buck up and feel better. And instead he goes in and tells them that all of them are sick because they're, like, personally weak. Like, they have weak souls. <laughs> and Oh, yeah. If they would just if they were be just, stronger If they were just better buck up, people, they wouldn't. Yeah, if you yeah. just didn't suck so much, you wouldn't be sick. <laughs> so the strong ones of you are going to live, and the weak ones of you are dead anyway, so I don't want you. Um, what a good speech. And, yeah. And the story goes that he comes back, and, like, the next day that, like, two-thirds of them are significantly better. Well, um, <laughs> were they, or were they just like, oh, I better uh, make a better <laughs> effort to, to not die? I don't know. That's what they say. But, um... <laughs> Because of that, he just attributed all the people dying to just them being personally weak, and he didn't want them anyway, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a battle in Egypt that Napoleon entitled the Battle of the Pyramids, but I remember from a history special I watched about him once that apparently the, period, or the pyramids were like hundreds of miles away, and they could barely even be seen, um, and they said a more appropriate title would have been the Battle of the Melon Patch because it was fought <laughs> in a melon patch. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we're dealing with the the man who was once a teenager who described French as like waves of bloody vomit on the shores right. of Corsica. Exactly. It would not do so, to be the Battle of the, the Melon Patch. No. So he renamed it Battle of the Pyramids. <laughs> um, also, 
apparently he abandoned like 20,000 soldiers in Egypt um, once it was clear they weren't going to win. He just left and went home. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm sure they um, were. Which is generally not okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, they were probably a lot of those like weak-willed people. If they right. if they've been he worthy, want anyway. if they've been worthy. They would have caught up. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so it's weird because he gets home and the directory is like mad, obviously, that he did that. But one of the things I read said they didn't have the power to punish him. And I was like, of course not. He's in charge of your military. What are you going to do to him? Right. Who's even going to seize him? All of those people work for him and like him. Uh, and because of that, he ends up taking over the military in a coup. Um, with Caius, I don't remember how to pronounce that guy's name, but I think he just used him and like, oh yeah, we'll be we'll be buddies, right? And we'll be in it together. Uh-huh. And then yeah, you know, it's just Napoleon. Um, yeah, he's had the military in his pocket, so France just has to accept whatever he does. Um, so he goes from like they go from the Directory to the Councils, is what they're called mm-hmm. or Consuls. Um, and he's first consul, and then there's, like, two other ones, I think. But very quickly it goes from I'm first consul to I'm completely in charge. I'm an emperor now. Um, and the fun about that is, obviously, they got rid of their monarchy because they didn't like the fact that just because these people were chosen by God, that meant they got to be in charge, right? Uh-huh. Um, but, and then Napoleon becomes emperor, which is essentially, God didn't choose me for this. I don't have royal blood, but I'm a absolute dictator just like monarchs and i'm going to pass it on to my children just like monarchs the self-made man (laughs) right but but people still like him which is strange um so he meets uh josephine and gets married to her uh she's like a few years older than him a widow uh and she has two kids already who are older but he marries her and then they have a big coronation ceremony um, where he invites the Pope. And in my favorite Napoleon moment, and one of the most famous, I think, for paintings, um, the Pope goes to put the crown on Napoleon's head, which is the church giving permission to that person to be uh, in charge of this country. Uh-huh, and right. Napoleon takes the crown out of his hands, puts it on his own head, pretty... uh, which is a big F you to the Catholic Church. <laughs> That says, you're not in charge of my country, I'm in charge of my country. Which is a very badass thing to do. It is. It's very, yeah. Napoleon is nothing but B.A., basically. It's like, Um, what are you going to do about it? Right. What are you going to do about it? Catholic Um, church? (laughs) Right, which... um, I have a thing, or I read something that he was actually really cool as far as religious tolerance went because he wasn't Christian and he didn't care. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like an agnostic or an atheist, and so he didn't really care what people did. Um, I think it specifically said he liked like the regimentedness of it, um, which I was like, of course you do. Oh uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Because the the fun thing about Napoleon is really he does a ton of wonderful things for the people of France and of Europe, um, but not really for them. He does them for himself. Right. Um, And they just happen to also be beneficiaries of that, which fascinates me. Mm -hmm. Um, Because he like he starts a national road system in France. So it's all connected because he wants his soldiers to be able to more easily move around the country. Um, He starts. Uh, public schools for young boys because he wants all of his soldiers to be educated. Mm -hmm. Um, He also does, like, some national hospitals, so that's a big deal. Um, I read that that was, like, uh, during his wars were some of the first times that they started using, like, a form of an ambulance in his, like, you know, and it's not obviously, like, an actual ambulance, but they start carting people out and trying to heal them on the spot, which is helpful. But I think mostly it's just amazing that wherever he goes, people seem to really like him. Um, Like, he'll conquer countries... (laughs) <laughs> after you know a few weeks and then he'll he'll go straight for the capital um so he doesn't have any collateral really he'll mm-hmm. take over the capital be like okay i'm in charge now he'll put one of his brothers in charge of that country specifically because he seemingly has a lot of brothers to do that with and then we'll ask say okay everything else is the same basically except for now you're gonna give us some stuff you know we need some supplies um and money but we're in charge now, and um, if anybody wants to come with me on my further expeditions, you know, to conquer the rest of Europe, please do. You know, feel free to volunteer for the army, and lots of people do. 
in every country. Yeah. It's very strange <laughs> because, like, can you imagine that now? Like, someone comes in and conquers your country, even if you don't like who's in charge. Right. Someone comes in, conquers your country, and then says, like, hey, you want to come with me? Yeah. And people are like, totally. Totes. So he does that, um, goes all around Europe, conquering, conquering, uh, making enemies of his friends and stuff. Uh, one of the great things I read was, so for Russia, he decides to have uh, a treaty with them. Because all these countries he tries to have treaties with, mm-hmm. and then they say no, and then he says, fine, I'll take you over. <laughs> fine. Works for me. If, if you won't have a treaty in France, you will be France. Those are your only options. Right. Um, and so that's what he does. So he goes to Russia, and Russia says, yeah, let's do a treaty. And he says, great. Um, but one of the things, apparently, that the czar said was, um, I hate England as much as you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I just thought it's, was wonderful. It's pretty, He's like, it's a, yeah, we have a common enemy. It's so. a pretty popular opinion to not like England. That's very true. Um but anyway, he eventually he takes over enough Europe that he doesn't really have anything left but England or Russia. Uh, and he still is having a problem taking over England. He tries to cut off their trade supplies by making everyone just not trade with them, but it still doesn't work because they just sneak it. Um, <laughs> they sneak it. And so, but England's so hard to get into because they're an island and they have such a good... Um, you know, an Navy fleet of ships. Yeah. yeah. That they just, you can't get in there. So then he's like, let's just turn on Russia. Um, what a rush is very, oh my God. just the, no, no. Yeah. But <laughs> Russia's very prepared for that. Um, so they just slash and burn everything. Right. And just retreat into their city or into their country. And, um, Napoleon loses there without ever actually having a battle because a lot of his soldiers just starve to death or abandon their, uh, army. Yeah. So bro. that's a thing. Yeah. Which is fair. Um, <laughs> not the first or anyway, last so they, time that happens to an invading army. Oh, no, it happens all the time in Russia. I feel like you should have um, uh, been prepared for that. You think, but he, you know, he has a big ego. So <laughs> I think he also is like, thinks he's prepared for anything automatically. Right. Um, so anyway, he loses in Russia and then he gets exiled to Elba, which I think is an extreme mistake. And I think everyone would agree with me now uh-huh. um, because Elba is very close to Corsica, actually. Um, which is where he grew up. Um, and apparently he gets out of there, um, on a boat with like a hundred soldiers or something. Mm -hmm. Like he convinces the soldiers there who are watching him maybe to go with him. I don't really know. How embarrassing. It was was very confusing. (laughs) But anyway, so he steals a boat and he goes back to France. Um, when he gets to France, like to the border, they know he's coming. They've heard that he's out. Um, and they, in the meantime, they had reestablished the monarchy, mm-hmm. um, which everybody's pissed about again. Yeah. So how many, so how many years thing, had that been going on? Like how, how long is he in house arrest? Um, not very long, like maybe a year or two, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they're way over the monarchy now. They've had like 12 other governments. Right. You know? Yeah. So they're like, no, this is not what we wanted. Clearly, even if other stuff isn't working. So, uh, when he gets on the shore, apparently, he is greeted with an army, and I guess he's, he has, he's like, on a horse, I guess, coming into the town, and he steps off his horse, he walks up to them, they're holding guns pointed at him, um, and he basically says, like, aren't you happy to see your emperor? Go ahead and shoot me if you want to. <laughs> Napoleon, you know. please. Napoleon has all the balls. Um, and I guess everybody who was there put down their guns and then got behind him. Wow. Um, yeah. And there is also a guy who specifically told Louis, who has now fled the country because he's terrified of being murdered. Right. Um, <laughs> Napoleon shows yeah. up like, come at me, mon frere. And he's like, nope. Nope. Right. Nope. Bye. Because <laughs> he's smart. Um, but... He's seen what France did to their monarchs, and it's not pretty. No, it's not um, pleasant. <laughs> no. But one of the uh, one of these guys, like, who is big with King Louis, was like, hey, I'll, as soon as Napoleon gets back, I'll bring him straight to you in a prison carriage, right? Uh-huh. Um, and the first thing he does when he sees Napoleon is apparently kiss him on the cheek and say, welcome back, Emperor. Oh, um, wow. 
Yeah. So apparently he changed his mind. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe when he saw how big the army had grown already. Um, and Ooh, so Napoleon that's, basically that's strolls back into Paris, gathering people all along the way, cheering him on, parading behind him, super happy. Um, and everybody in Europe is pissed. <laughs> that escalated. Um, massively pissed. Very fast. <laughs> that escalated yes. quickly. <laughs> Seriously. So that begins Napoleon's 100 days. So he gets 100 days more to be in charge. He starts attacking people again, but he has a bad time about it, um, and they clearly don't win. Um, and this time he gets exiled, but significantly farther away. Uh, they put him on St. Helena, which I want to read to you from a Mental Floss article. Um, we'll put up all of our... Uh, sources on our Facebook page but I want to read you from this Mental Floss article. Um, it specifically says, uh, St. Helena is isolated, ringed with steep cliff faces, and was guarded by some 2,800 men armed with 500 cannons. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the beginning. Oh no. The seas around the tiny island were constantly patrolled by an entire Royal Navy squadron consisting of 11 ships and even a separate island, 1,200 miles further uh, out in the Atlantic was stocked with further garrisons to prevent a rescue attempt from South America. So they're worried that someone's going to come from South America to save him. This is all, um, this is a huge joke. I can't believe this. Yeah. It says, uh, during Napoleon's last six years of life on St. Helena, escape plans included boats, balloons, and even a pair of prim primitive submarines. Balloons! Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hot air balloons. Hot air balloons. Uh, submarines. Yeah, notorious British smuggler Tom Johnson later claimed in 1820 he was offered 40,000 pounds to rescue the emperor. He hatched a scheme to do so that included a pair of ships with collapsible masts what? that could sneak up to the island fully submerged and a bosun's chair, no idea what that is, what? to scale the cliffs. It is unclear how far the plan ever got, or <laughs> indeed if Johnson ever accepted such an assignment, but had it succeeded, it would have made one of the most fantastic prison breaks in all of history. I guess. And I don't disagree. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So, but that doesn't happen. And Napoleon dies on the island of uh, stomach cancer. Uh, and his last word is Josephine. Oh. His last words are really um, France, uh, the head of the army, the army, and Josephine, basically. I might have got some of those mixed the up. The only things that ever really mattered to him. Right. The things that he loved. Um, all right, so here's some weird stuff. Um, we don't know what hair color he had. <laughs> uh, like, like um, it, it could be something really weird, like red or blonde or something. We don't know. Yes. Um, could there it... are different descriptions from different people. Uh-huh. Um, where some of them say it's dark brown. Some of them say it's chestnut. There are multiple paintings of him where his hair is black. Um, and one of them even says the hair on his head was not black, but dark reddish blonde. Which, if someone could explain to me what color dark reddish blonde is, like, I would be very grateful. Because that doesn't make any sense to me. Like an auburn? Like a light auburn, maybe? But why is blonde in there? Because that's just dark red. <laughs> I mean, what it sounds to me is that there are a lot of uh, Napoleon fan people. They're like, you know, when the light touched his hair just right, it glistened. Right. And right. it was a little bit yeah, gold and, and red. It's like, uh, I think it was it was black. Let's shh. It was black. Uh, yeah, probably. Um, well, and this was on like NapoleonSeries.org. There's a whole bunch of accounts of like people's firsthand accounts of seeing him and then saying what he looks like. Um, and it's really interesting stuff to read. But yeah, a lot of them, they don't make a lot of sense. But apparently we still have some of his hair. What? Um, Who kept his hair? I don't know. But we have it, not only do we have his hair, but we have it from four different times in history. Um, like from when he was like a kid in Corsica, um, from when he became emperor, I think, from when he was exiled and then after his death. What? Um, and yet no one still will tell me what color his hair is, which confuses me. Um, so we still don't know, even though we still have it and it doesn't change color over time, you know, like once it's cut. So it, I don't, like there really isn't understand. even like a picture of any of the samples online. That's strange. Not that I could find. No. 
But apparently in 2008, they analyzed some of his hair because people thought that actually he might have been poisoned. Um, oh, okay. Because uh, his stomach cancer, I guess, was interesting to them. So they thought it might have been arsenic poisoning. But actually, his father also died of stomach cancer. And they're pretty sure it was stomach cancer anyway. Sure. Which is what I always knew it as. But then they were like, maybe not. And they're like, just kidding again. I mean, it would it would kind of make sense if you as a state are spending all of that money on guarding one guy on an island out in the middle of nowhere. Right. <laughs> like, why didn't you poison him? Honestly. Seriously, I agree. Um, uh, I want to make, I have to say this just because we're talking about Polian. He wasn't short. Um, he was average for the time, which was 5'6". People used to be shorter. Um, and the reason for the confusing is because the French pouce, is what it's called, was longer than the English inch. Oh. So when they heard that he was a certain height, it got translated to that he was 5'2 mm. instead of 5'6. Yeah, that is pretty short. Uh, yeah, even then. And he also, I guess, used to have a lot of tall uh, guards around him because they made, they made him feel safer if they were big. <laughs> uh, um, so he probably looked short in comparison. It's like a, like a small dog. Like, I feel better when there's a lot of big people <laughs> right. around. Yeah, totally. Um, apparently, list25.com, which, you know, we'll see how trustful that website is. But they told me that his nickname was Nabulio when he was young. <laughs> <laughs> Nabulio. It was too cute. Oh, little Nabulio. It was too cute that I couldn't not share that, even if I questioned the source of these things. Um, I want to live in a world where that's true. Nabulio. Same, right? I want all these to be true. Um, he used to take naps on his horse even before, like, important battles. He would take a nap sometime under the table. What? Um, and, and wake up as if nothing had happened. Just like a quick 20 minute. Under the know? table? What table? Like under his, like, like a war table, you know, where they're mapping out what they're doing. Under the table. In his tent. Yeah, just under the table real quick. Uh, um, uh, can someone please get the emperor a cot? <laughs> can they wake him up? We need him right now. He's sleeping under the, the table again. We need a cot. <laughs> Or on his horse. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Um, But apparently he also only slept like three to four hours a day. And sometimes he didn't sleep at all. And apparently he seemed totally cool. So maybe he was on like speed or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, What's the French speed? I don't know. Wine? I think wine just makes you tired, though. Yeah. Hmm. Well, Uh, because he was only a a little French, actually. Right. He's mostly Italian. Mm -hmm. If you want to be specific. A a mystery for the ages. (laughs) It's very confusing. (laughs) What speed was Napoleon on? (laughs) Just crawls under a table and falls asleep. Maybe it was wine. (laughs) That sounds like wine behavior. Maybe. But he also wakes up immediately and is ready to go. Which confuses me. Um, So there's a nursery rhyme that warns children against uh, Bonaparte. it's English-based, so there you go. Naturally, But it said that he ravenously ate naughty people, oh, and they called my. him the Boogeyman. <laughs> there. So if you wondered who the Boogeyman is, it's Napoleon, I mean, not, not incorrect. <laughs> I mean, he didn't eat people. I want to be very explicit about that to our listeners. That was uh, um, Robespierre. But we already covered that. Yes. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Wrong Frenchman. Mm-hmm. Um. So apparently Napoleon learned about uh, Josephine having an affair while he was gone also, on his campaign. Also, spoilers, um, Josephine had an affair. Right. Spoiler alert big, for history big, hundreds of years ago. <laughs> big spoilers. They're all dead, but if you didn't Ooh. know. Right. They had an, he, she had an affair, um, and or multiple, actually. And apparently he found out while he was gone and he wrote a letter back about it, but it got intercepted by the British and they published it oh, no. in their papers <laughs> just to embarrass him. Like the English are such dicks. <laughs> that's so beautiful. So, what trolls. I, I love it. But that's like some of, and that's some of the first of like for, for outside people instead of like just about their own people and their affairs. Um, sensationalism begins <laughs> with Napoleon, I guess. Did you know that he wrote a novella, a romantic novella? What? What's it about? I have um, to know. It's about his own affair with his former fiance. What? And it's called Clisson et Eugene. Oh, no. <laughs> Which is two people. Um, I haven't read it, but it's been published since 1920. So I'm really excited to read that now. Oh, my gosh. So multiple editions, Napoleon novella. I can't believe you haven't read that. 
Yeah, I don't know what, how I could not. It's more like a, I didn't a, know it existed. a fictionalized autobiography. Right, and I'm really excited about it. Um, okay, I'm just going to run through a few of these that are weird real quick. Um, so he made it illegal to name pigs Napoleon in France. And that's still true today. That's still a law. <gasps> oh. Um, and in the French version of Animal Farm, oh, yeah. one of the pigs is named Napoleon. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but in the French version, they changed his name to Caesar. <laughs> Fair. So they just picked a different, you know, emperor. <laughs> different, like almost exactly the same person. Right. Just an equivalent that's not French, because right. you can't do that. <laughs> um, he got beat at, ch- at chess. Apparently, he wasn't very good at games, um, but he was extremely competitive, so he'd try to cheat and get frustrated. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was beaten at chess by um, Turk, which was a chess robot um, at the time that was actually controlled by a person in the table. What? Uh, but he didn't know that. What? <laughs> which... <laughs> He didn't. I, I'm definitely going to research that in the future. Like, that's going to be in a future episode about Turk the chess robot in the 1800s. Um, that, there's some kind of weird time travel going on with that one. I don't understand. Yeah, chess robot. Like, we do that now, but not then. Not like um, people under tables moving around. It's like it's like he was battling right. a Muppet then. <laughs> a little bit. Napoleon and, like, the, the Muppet chess. And still chess. lost. <laughs> yeah. That's the best thing I've learned all day. uh, (laughs) Well, just wait. Um, So there's some cute things and some weird things in here. Apparently he carried a mini portrait of Josephine into battle for good luck. And I was like, "Mm, I don't know if that was good luck. Mm, Well, he did pretty well. Usually. Historically pretty (laughs) successful guy. That's true. Um, Napoleon's army was the first to use canned food. So that's cool. Oh, well done. Um, He's a very, yeah, which is useful to everybody today, so that's nice. There are a lot of things that are very useful to everyone now that come out of his existence. Um, Chess Muppets. Yeah. (laughs) He used to uh, pull a Henry V, and he would dress like a beggar and go on the street and ask people how he was doing, basically. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) And apparently he really enjoyed doing that. That was one of his favorite things to do. uh, Um, So I I heard that this Napoleon guy has a six-pack. And he's, like, right. super buff and tall. Have you heard that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and people are like, uh, I don't know. I think, you know, he's kind of, he's almost like a, like, just like the royalty. He's just a, completely in charge now. And he's like, oh, no, he's way better. <laughs> oh, no, he's he's so handsome and, like, really good at stuff. <laughs> and he wins. Haven't it. you seen how many countries he's conquered? <laughs> he's so good at chess and his wife loves him. <laughs> and all is well. He's such a good novella writer. He's He's so right. great. People of France. Um, I, I read in one that he had an acute sense of smell. I don't know how we could possibly know that. I mean, um, does it mean that he has, like, there are records of him being like, I smell this. Everyone being like, okay. Apparently. That he, he's really good at smelling things. Very good, Emperor. Um, yes. Thank you. <laughs> um, Would you like a pillow under there? Yes. <laughs> He was a, a th- one of them said he was afraid of open doors. Like he didn't like the door being opened. So when people came in the room, they'd have to open it as little as possible and like slip in. <laughs> <laughs> Which I desperately hope is true. Oh my gosh. And if I made a series about his life, everyone would do that every time. Like all yeah, all the time. <laughs> He's actually a small dog. A little bit, yeah. Um <laughs> He is into silent meal eating. He doesn't like people talking during meals. Um, And his favorite meal apparently was roast chicken and potatoes. (laughs) Oh, so the first time him and Josephine were going to have sex, um, Josephine's dog apparently was in the room and got worried that she was being attacked because of moaning loudly (laughs) and and bit Napoleon. (laughs) Oh, no. Dogs hate him. To save. Yeah, to save. Like, because he's a weird little dog. Yeah. Um, Makes perfect sense. Um, I didn't know this. this. I guess this is a fun fact about Josephine. But her husband was guillotined um, because of he he was in the royalty. And a few days, like the day before her trial, um, the government changed in France. Oh. So she didn't get guillotined. Oh, that was close. <laughs> Which, honestly, I don't know exactly what time that was and when that changed over to. But that easily could have been at least partially due to Napoleon. So that's interesting. Yeah. Um, Huh. He might have long distance saved her. Um, 
Oh, Napoleon also developed something called night riding. Whoa. Uh, which is, uh, <laughs> no, night writing. Oh, less um, badass. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> I have to enunciate better. He sounded, yeah, like some kind of weird superhero. <laughs> nope. The night rider. Um, nah, night writing. Writing. Um, but it's, it, uh, that's what was the precursor to Braille. Oh, okay. Um, huh. So it was so that his soldiers could read it in the dark. So it was by feel that you were reading it. Um, and then Louis Braille was 12 years old when he got a hold of it. And he's like, oh, this would be good for blind people. And so that's what he based his idea and the alphabet off of. Hmm. Yeah. So that's interesting. Um, his soldiers also, when they were in Egypt, found the Rosetta Stone. Oh, yeah, that um, was him. So that's pretty cool. I mean, you can say a lot about bad things that have happened in Egypt because of Napoleon mm-hmm. and other people. But um, Rosetta Stone, pretty important. Like, he took, like, a hundred scientists with him, so that's pretty not nice. Mm-hmm. How many of those um, were, like, the weak people that deserve to <laughs> perish? I think those were only soldiers, okay. mostly. <laughs> it's like, so you, they should be okay. you are sad and pathetic and good riddance. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I don't um, care if you die in the sand. He was, like I said, he freedom of religion was totally okay with him. And he even, like, uh, would conquer countries and then he would... Um, let the Jews, you know, buy land and do all the things they couldn't do before. And he was like, you're just normal people. It's fine. So that's nice. It's a pretty um, radical idea at the time. It is, actually, which is really depressing. <laughs> um, but because of that, he was named the Antichrist and the Enemy of God by Russian Orthodox <laughs> Church. <laughs> oh, yes. So if you're wondering who the boogeyman and the Antichrist is, it's Napoleon. Um, Not incorrect? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Still yet to be seen. Oh, uh, in 1807, he seized this um, house in Venice called um, the Via Pirani, I think. Um, And on that land is, it's like a beautiful house, obviously, but also they have a maze. And apparently he got lost in it once for hours. Oh, my God. Um, (laughs) maze. Oh, my God. What a loser. Which is so funny. <laughs> also, when, uh, this is just additional to that, when Hitler and, um, oh, what's his name, Mussolini met in Italy, they met there, and apparently they might have also gotten lost in it. Oh, my God. Um, but, but that might just be a rumor. Oh, no. <laughs> um, but he gave it to his stepson, uh, Eugene Beauharnais. Yeah. So, uh, to he didn't like his stepson, did he? <laughs> I mean, he gave him a villa. It's not just the maze he gets <laughs> with an inescapable maze, right? <laughs> it's like, well, my uh, stepson's luck, like half as smart as I am, so he's <laughs> never getting out. Also, it was, this is unsubstantiated too, but he was apparently afraid of cats. Um, so he's uh, the tiniest worst dog. <laughs> he's like, oh, cats are terrible. I hate them. <laughs> Don't open the door. Um, Let me sleep under the table. I hate cats. But yeah, basically, I'm lost but in this maze. Floss. Mental Floss said there's no proof of whether he liked or disliked cats, but I'm going to go with he was afraid of cats. Somebody built Napoleon a house in New Orleans. Um, his name was Nicolas Giraud, and he was a Frenchman who was the fifth mayor of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And uh, for everybody, I guess, who doesn't know, Louisiana used to be French territory, and then he sold it to us, Napoleon did. That was the Louisiana so, uh, Purchase. I yeah. don't know why that was sexy. Um... But it was very useful to him and to us, so thanks, Napoleon. Thanks. But uh, Girard, apparently, when he got um, exiled to St. Helena, um, the second place he's exiled to, uh, he was already housing some of the members of Napoleon's Imperial Guard uh, after the you know after his fallout because they were kind of getting a bad rap um so they were moving to new orleans Mm -hmm. which is pretty french and so he started building him a house so that uh he could live there because they were they were going to get uh he intended an escape expedition by dominique Yu. i don't know who that is but i'm gonna look them up because they sound great um but that obviously didn't happen because napoleon died in the same year that he was trying to build that house for him or Um, did he bum 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 (laughs) so So, in my mind there's a french ocean's 11 
and they use <laughs> balloons and submarines and like New Orleans safe houses, and they they got him out, and no one wants to. Ad- that would be no one wants to admit it because he was on right. an isolated island surrounded by like a hundred cannons, five yeah, five hundred cannons, <laughs> much better. Uh, that would be such a good movie. I just want to say. I mean, it it sounds like it's there's some kind of cover up going on here. Yeah, there's a lot of sketchy e- stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But apparently, Gerard moved his own family into the house once Napoleon was dead, definitely. Um, but they still call it the Napoleon House today. So I, I know where I want to live now. It's in New Orleans in the Napoleon House. Napoleon House. Um, and last but not least, this is actually probably my favorite one. Apparently, Beethoven was, like, really into Napoleon, and he thought he was real cool. So he was inspired by him to write his third symphony. Um and there's, like, even on the front title page of it, it says, like, for Napoleon. For my bro. Um, for my bro Napoleon. When he was... Right. That was when he was just an army leader. And then once he became first consul, he was still pretty okay with him. But once he became emperor, he was like, no, nah, F that dude. He just wants power and he's a jerk. <laughs> and so, He sold out. Right. So then he's like, never mind, this isn't for Napoleon. <laughs> but apparently the title page still exists from... That oh, and you can see that he scratched out Napoleon's name so hard that he punctured the paper with his pencil because he was so mad. <laughs> what a sellout! Napoleon. What a jerk! I hate him. Now. This isn't oh, for sorry, you. I lied. There's, there's one more thing, um, which is the most Napoleon of all things. So Napoleon apparently always kept poison on himself, um, just in case he got captured and he wanted to just die real quick. That he was ready. He's so dramatic. So. But he always kept the same bottle. Uh-huh. Um, and by the time that he was exiled to Elba, um, he wanted to use it because he didn't want to be exiled. So he took it at um, Fontainebleau, which was like the port before they got to Elba, mm-hmm. like before they left for it. Um, but it had lost all of its potency because it was old. Um, <laughs> so all it did was make him sick and throw it up. Oh, no. Um, but because of that, he thought he was invincible because he had taken all this poison and his body had just rejected it outright and been like, nope, you will live. What so, a loser. <laughs> I know. Oh, He's the most losery guy in the world. Dude. Also, I find it a bit poetic that the quote unquote Frenchman returned home vomiting up on the shore. Right. <laughs> we come full circle. Um, oh, and I had a couple quotes. So the other thing about Napoleon is that, like, I think that people don't really know how to feel about him, which is why I like him. That he's a gray figure instead of a hero or a villain figure. Right, like, no one really um, has a solid emotional reaction when you say Napoleon. It's not like saying, like, no. Hitler. No, right. Or saying George Washington. Right, it's not. Abraham Lincoln. Not much of anything. Why is that? No. Um, and I think it's because he just, he did so many good things for the world that we can't completely treat him as a villain. Uh-huh. Um, like, he, the Napoleonic Code was humongously important for basically everyone's government in Europe and America now, and in lots of other countries that they had uh, colonies in. Yeah. Um, and all of the things that he did for France specifically um, helped them a ton. Uh, but also, you know, like that he was going around spreading the idea of religious tolerance and that that was OK. That like maybe these revolutionaries who didn't want monarchies anymore, that that could be a good, um, effective thing and they could still function. Yeah. Um, and that like people kind of mattered, even if like he wanted to be in charge of them all. Uh-huh. Um, so like a lot of good things. But, you know, obviously his wars cost a lot of lives. It cost a lot of money. Um, I read somewhere someone said he put, like, they were French, and they said he put our revolution behind 20 years, which I don't ing- agree with. Um, they mean towards democracy. I don't agree with sure. that. But it didn't help. I mean, I just don't think it hurt that much. Right. Um, but I have a couple quotes from people here. One is... Um, David Chanteron, uh, he's an editor of a magazine devoted to Napoleon, said France was split between fascination and repulsion, but stressed there was huge popular interest in his character, profile, and stature as a self-made man. He, um, he definitely from an article was on, that. Yeah. This is from an article on the local.fr. They said, for me, Napoleon represents good and evil all at once, said history student Alom Haudry. Um, which I think is basically it. I mean... 
Napoleon, I feel like, can't be a historical figure because he's such a person. He's so good and bad and all at once, like that person said. You yeah. Know? You can't separate them out and you can't say mostly good or mostly bad. Mm-hmm. And that's why he's my favorite because he is just... He's so he's all three flavors human. at once. Right. He's he's Napoleon. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of chocolate, a little bit of vanilla, a little touch of strawberry. A little bit of strawberry. Which is yeah, uh, exactly. symbolic of the sun hitting his hair just right. So you never know what color it <laughs> you is. You never know. Oh, dear. <laughs> and that's Napoleon for you. I hope you learned a lot. I did. I'm glad that you did. I, learned, uh, I also did. I learned about uh, chess robots, which is right? fast, which is fascinating. Turk the chess robot. Turk is it T U R K? It sure is. Like the like the funny surgeon from Scrubs. Exactly. But now, <laughs> I don't think like Turkish people. I don't think it had anything to do with. Now Turkish I'm just going to imagine Turk the surgeon underneath the table playing chess with Napoleon. It'd have to be a big table. <laughs> it's just down there. Oh, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't just underneath a table. It's inside a table. It's inside it's a table. Better. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Well, anyway, so uh, I hope you enjoyed the first episode. Rate us, comment, subscribe on iTunes if you had a good time. We'd love to know. Right. Um, we also have a Facebook page, Hysterical History, which you can come follow us. We'll post our sources there and pictures. If you have uh, questions, thoughts, uh, etc., we have Gmail, hystericalhistorypodcast at gmail.com. And please send us historical figures you would like us to talk about, um, to find the you know hilarious details of their life that you think are really interesting and you'd like to hear our voices talking about. Because we have such good voices. I mean, I think that's beyond right. argument at this point. <laughs> and it's definitely the best. But we'd love, we will definitely include ones that we get, uh, and we would love to hear about new historical figures we might not have thought of to include. Yes. Historical peeps who are funny. Yes. And that was hystericalhistorypodcast at gmail.com. Who are we talking about next week? My, fir- my favorite man person is uh, Baron von Steuben. Yep. If you haven't heard All about right. him. I have heard about him, but I know very little yeah, about him I don't, personally. Like, so no one does, excited. and I'm going to talk about that. He's a very that's cool great. person. Um, everybody yeah, needs they to. they really do. Well, that's perfect. They really do need to. I like that you're going with you're going with the uh, obscure, and I'm going with the most <laughs> famous. That <laughs> uh, works. Anyway, uh, see you next time. We won't see you. We don't even see each other. You'll hear us next time. Bye.